0: Welcome to LifeSource Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. I don't like to go to the doctor. I don't like to go to the dentist. And I got an awesome doctor and I got an awesome dentist, you know. But it, just something about it, I don't want to go. And, and uh, you know, my wife wants me to go. But I want to go, is anybody else in here like that? I mean, you don't really like to go to the doctor, don't like to go to the dentist, you know? I'm not really sure why that is, except, that, you know, I, my sense is I know what they're going to tell me. <laughs> right? I already know what they're going to tell me. The doctor's going to tell me, you know, it'd be really be good if you lost some weight, and, and you know, it would help your blood pressure, and, and your, you know, your feet that hurt, you know, just... And the dentist is going to tell me, you know, it'd be good if you flossed a little more regularly, and... Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to go. That's real mature of me, right, Tom? <laughs> That's the way I feel, okay? Um, now, I'm also, there's always this sense that, you know, you go to the doctor and they're going to tell you something that you don't already know and you don't ever really want to hear, right? Hey, you know, that tooth has to come out. Or you have cancer. And we don't want to hear those things either, right? So if we don't go, then that, we don't have cancer, right? Is that the way that works? <laughs> if we just don't go, will we, we okay? No. So that's the way I feel a of times. Now, just to let you know that, that I have grown up enough, I do go ahead and go now. I go ahead and go to the dentist, I go ahead and go to the doctor, because it's good and right, and I need to know the truth. And I understand that. Um, but seriously, I want to I, I ask again, because I, I don't know if you're afraid to say, but how many of you kind of feel that way about things? Several of you, okay. Um, you know, we have a society that feels that way about things too, don't we? Especially when it comes to the things of God. You know, what God has to say about certain issues. You know, not, you know if we really want to hear those things, and, and let's be honest, sometimes I've said earlier, when God says something in His Word to us, it isn't always what we would want to hear. It isn't always what feels good to us at the moment, and so sometimes maybe we just choose, we don't want to hear. But that's what's happening in our society. And we have a lot of issues in our society today, don't we? Problems that are a result of people not listening to what God says, not applying what God says to their lives, not going to the doctor and being open and listening. And, and some of those issues are really devastating and there's an issue that is really devastating. Uh, individuals, families, uh, other, the family relationships, communities, and our nation. And it's something that we just don't talk about very much openly. It's like the elephant in the room, right? The elephant in the room that nobody is talking about but well, we need to talk about it. We can't just let it stay there. And I not only know, you know, I'm aware that the elephant is in the room. I know the elephant's name. The elephant's name is adultery. Adultery. Adultery and all the issues surrounding it is wreaking havoc in people's lives. People are hurt. And sometimes that devastation is generational. And so we need to look at that. You know, you might be here today and say, man, I can't believe I came to church, and they're going to talk about adultery. It's one of those things we may not want to hear, but let me just say this to you, please, okay? Get this. Hear this in your heart. There are a lot of us. In fact, by the time we're done looking at what Jesus says, I think that all of us will conclude that we've been guilty of something Jesus is talking about here. So we're all in the same boat, okay? We're all in the same boat here. Me too. All of us. Well, so what I want to do is go to the Bible here today and look and see, you know, what Jesus had to say about it. We, like I said, it's not a word we even hear much anymore, is it? You know, we don't, we don't talk about it. We don't, you know. Say. But guess what? Jesus does. I guess that shouldn't surprise us, should it? Because the Lord always tells us the truth about the things we need to deal with, the things that we need to understand. In this case, Adultery, because it's destroying marriages, it's destroying lives and families, and and ultimately it's doing great damage in our nation. So let's turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Now, if you're here today without a Bible, it's not a problem. We have Bibles in the pew there. You'll see that black Bible in there. Uh, We're going to give you the page number to help you to find it. Uh, Pull that Bible out and turn to page 1,115. 1,115. So far here in the Sermon on the Mount, we've heard about what it takes to, to experience a blessed life and the fact that we're salt of the, the world and light of the world. We need just to undilute our lives and uncover uh, the, our lives so the light can shine. Uh, how Christ fulfilled the law or is going to fulfill the law and how important it is that we live by the teachings of Christ. And last week we saw how um, the, heart, the heart is crucial and we're going to see that again today. But when it comes to Uh, murder, and then anger, and all the problems that we have in relationships, how we need to deal with this. And then we come down here to verse 27. And let me say this to you. When Jesus is talking here, he uses gender, you know, talks about, you know, men and women. Um, But I just want you to know that everything we're reading about here today, when it says man and woman, could be swapped. All right? So I don't want you to think that, oh, this only applies to a man, and this only applies to a woman. No, no. They can be swapped. And if we looked elsewhere in the Bible, I could show you that. All right, But we're not going to take the time to do that. I just want you to know it. Okay. So this is equal opportunity teaching by Jesus. Jesus says this. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Well, that raises the ante, doesn't it? That raises the bar? And then he says this, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now that's that's heavy stuff, isn't it? Plucking your eyes out, cutting your hands off. Hell, I mean, that's heavy stuff. What's Jesus trying to tell us here? Well, we'll get to that. Let's continue. Furthermore, see, he's not done. He didn't just quit here. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And like I said, we could turn this around, right? Whoever divorces her husband, let her give him a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. And, and, and numerous other things the Bible tells about it. Once again, we could switch that around, the gender on this. Now, there, already I can you know, envision, this is what I envisioned. I began preaching this, is we start talking about this, and now you have a hundred questions, don't you? All right? I did. Okay, well, what about this? What about let's just kind of try to put that on hold for the moment, all right? And let's work through and try to understand what we're saying, and then, you know, you can begin to, to make those applications. And, you know, up until last week, we had an opportunity afterwards to discuss this, right? We had a Bible study hour where you could ask questions today. We don't do that. We're doing a picnic instead. Uh, that's not purposeful. And just let you know that I will be available to picnic, we can sit down and talk, if you have questions about this, which you're very likely to have. But if we are going to understand what Jesus is talking about here, we need to understand certain concepts. We need to understand, when the Bible talks about marriage, what does it mean? What is the sin of adultery? And, and what does the Bible say about divorce? We need to have a handle on these things so we can understand what Jesus is saying. And just let me just throw this out here, just a little bit of food for thought here. Jesus here is not trying to, to give us the ins and outs of, okay, it's okay to divorce for this and not for this. That's not what's going on here. Jesus is challenging the prevailing view at the time of marriage and how they looked at marriage and how they dealt with issues related to marriage. That's what Jesus is challenging. That's at the root of it. And so we want to understand uh, these things. So, talking about marriage, the first thing we understand is that God, the the Creator, created Adam and Eve and brought them together to be husband and wife. You remember in the book of Genesis, God says that a man shall be joined to his wife. So God created marriage. Okay, did we get that scripture up there? All right, yeah, if we can... Again after, so this says, a man shall be joined to his wife. And, and now this joining, how long is it supposed to last? What's God's intention for marriage? How long is it supposed to last? For a lifetime. That's right. And we see this referred to in the book of Romans when he says, for the woman who has a husband. And once again, we could swap these genders. It doesn't matter. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. Okay? So that's the point. It's a lifetime commitment in marriage. That is God's intent. Now, there are a bunch of you here today who have been married and then your marriage ended. You got divorced. And a lot of you that have that you've been remarried, okay? We get that. We understand that. God understands that. And we're going to zero in a little bit more on that later. But what I don't want you to do is to shut down on us here, okay? Don't shut down. Just, just keep listening. We're talking about what God's intent was for marriage. And, and when we get it right, what, how does it go? Okay? So, God, uh, the idea is a man and a woman come together in marriage, and it is intended to be a lifelong commitment for as long as both of them are alive. And now, this joining, you know, we usually have a marriage ceremony and vows are set, and, and legal issues, we get a license and all that kind of stuff. But this joining is completed. When a man and woman who have covenanted together with God and each other, and then they come together in the most intimate aspect of marriage. I'm going to call it physical intimacy today, and I'm going to use that term because of the broad range that we have in the audience, okay? Physical intimacy, we all know what we're talking about. And and it's at that point that that when we come together into that most aspect of it, uh, that we are joined in that way. And, and well, I'll, I'll elaborate on that in a minute. We see that God in the very beginning, talking about this again, when he talked about the man and woman being joined together in verse 25 of Genesis 2, he says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So this physical intimacy is intended to be part of that marriage relationship. And, and finally, we see that this joining of the couple is really accomplished by God. It's accomplished by God. I mean, do, when we get married, do we, have, do we do something to get married? We do, don't we? I got to tell you, though, I remember, I still remember this day, uh, standing up, going through the marriage ceremony, it, and understanding at that time I was a fairly new Christian, but understanding that this was a commitment, a lifelong a c- commitment that we were making, and, and how important it was, I'm standing there thinking, this is way too easy well, you guys are just really serious now, aren't you? <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I felt this is so, you just do it, right? The magnitude of what was happening, this seemed way too easy. It's kind of like it should have had to, we had to go through an obstacle course or something, you know? Climb the wall and then say, I do. Something. But so, but we do something to be married. But what I want you to understand is this. When, when a man and woman come together and they covenant with each other before God and then they consummate this marriage, the physical intimacy They are joined together by God. And Jesus talks about this. He refers to this fact in Matthew chapter 19 when he's addressing some more issues related to divorce and adultery and these things. And he says, what God has joined together. It's where he's saying that we ought not to 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 divide it if God has joined it. But understand, God is the one who joins people together in marriage. And so these things we need to understand. So let's look at a chart now uh, that shows what we know about marriage, and we'll try to, to work our way through this together. So, in marriage, one man, one woman come together. Now, we're not really going to spend time on that, today, but that is the model in the Bible. One man, one woman for a marriage, for a marriage that God has ordained. Uh, a government can say whatever they want about who can get married, but it doesn't change what God has said, Okay. So one man, one woman, they covenant with God and each other for life, uh, and then they enter into this intimate and exclusive, very important, exclusive, that means only with each other, intimate and exclusive physical union, and then God joins them together and makes them one. Now, what happens when the intimate and exclusive physical relationship, this physical union is broken? In other words, someone in this relationship enters into physical intimacy with someone who's not their husband or their wife. What happens? Well, that, that aspect of the marriage relationship is broken. Go ahead if we can go to that. And what do we call that? What's the word? It's that word, isn't it? It's adultery. Okay. When, then When that is broken, we have what the Bible calls adultery. Now, What happens when the covenant relationship, this idea, okay, we're coming together, we're going to be a couple, we're going to be married, what happens when that is broken, okay? What do we call it? Divorce. Can you back up just a little bit to take the broken and the divorce away for a minute? Yeah, just go back one more there. It ought to be able to do it. If you can find it, get to it. I want you to understand this. So this is what, when we're talking about this idea of adultery, what we have is that this is supposed to be exclusive, this, this physical intimacy. It's exclusive to this couple. That's the commitment they've made and that's how God has joined them together. That's part of how God has joined them together, I should say. But when this is broken, it can be broken in a number of ways, all right, you know, one or the other gets involved with someone else in, in a physically intimate way. Um, And we're not going to go on and try to define what, all the details of what that means. But understand it's fairly broad what that would include. Alright? And I want to say today that I would suggest to you that even something like persistent, and I'm being, using that word on purpose, persistent use of pornography could rise to the level of adultery. Because... Someone, you're leaving this exclusive intimate relationship and going someplace else you, you, to, to fulfill that. I'm not talking about it happens or someone's... I'm talking about when someone makes that choice. And so, but what I want you to see is this. Has the marriage ended when adultery occurs? I see you This is not one of Walt's trick questions. Has the marriage relationship it has not ended. Has this been, has there been a breaking in this? Has this physical, you know, exclusive, intimate relationship been broken? Yeah, that is broken apart. But it doesn't necessarily mean the marriage has ended. In fact, now, it's very difficult to recover from that. Because there's so many dynamics that go into this relationship. By, by the way, let me just say, this sexual relationship relationship is powerful and strong. And God is the one who invented it. It was His idea. He's the one who designed everything the way He did and designed us in our souls as well and how that all connects. He he designed this. And it's intended to be very strong and very powerful and supposed to bind us together. So when that is broken, yes, that is a major breach in a marriage relationship, but it does not mean the marriage has to end. Okay? There are some of you out here today, several of you who are living testimonies of that fact that God can put a marriage back together. And when we can do that, that's what we ought to do. But the reality is, is once this is broken, once the adultery occurs, it is very difficult to put a marriage back together, and sometimes it becomes irreparable because of of what has gone on. You're no longer able to put the marriage back together. Okay? And so then, that's what we talk about divorce. When we, then we, you know, we get this marriage broken, uh, and with the idea of, go ahead and go there if you would, John. Um, and we experience divorce. This is the ending of the marriage in a legal sense, right? We are no longer going to be married to each other in the world here. We're going to now be separate. We're, you know I'm no longer responsible for your financial decisions. You're no longer responsible for my financial decisions and lots of other factors that go in it. And legal agreements designed to protect families and children, um, all of those kinds of things go into that. Now, can people get married? Or do people, let me ask you, not can they, do people get divorced for other reasons than adultery? Oh, yeah, a bunch. But what does the Bible say? Well, you know, it depends where you come from today, but you might be surprised either way. The Bible definitely allows for divorce. And it allows for divorce for more reasons than you might think. It certainly quote I say allow, it doesn't require. Can I be real clear about that? The Bible doesn't require divorce for anything. It recognizes that it happens. And it talks about it happening, obviously, for sexual immorality, for unfaithfulness, breaking of that bond. It also talks about it happening on the basis of abandonment. It talks about it there's a place in Exodus where it talks about someone who's entered into a marriage, a woman, how she can get out of the marriage if the man is not, uh, you know, providing her food and clothing and, and refusing to acknowledge her rights in the marriage. I mean, so there are a number of reasons why people can get divorced or why people do get divorced. And in our society, people get divorced for a lot more than that, don't they? Now, that's nothing new. When we're reading here what Jesus was talking about, in this day, uh, a lot of the religious leaders had concluded and said that you could get a divorce for any reason. What mattered is that you did the paperwork. Isn't that nuts? but that's what we just read, right? Whoever divorces his wife, makes sure he does what? Gives her a certificate of divorce. Take care of the paperwork now. That's so distorted marriage. That's such a low view of marriage. And so Jesus is challenging that here with them. Um, so when we start talking about, okay, should a person get divorced or not? And, and, and then can they remarry or not? And all of these kinds of problems, it gets really complicated. If we want to do what God says. But you know why it's complicated? It's only complicated because of sin. Our sin. Think about it. Because if we just stay married and focus on that marriage and try to be faithful in that marriage, these things never become an issue, do they? That's simple, isn't it? Now, I didn't say it's easy to stay married. Anybody in here experience what I have experienced, that it's not always easy to stay married? Yeah. Well, the rest of you guys, I don't know. <laughs> You're just in one of those places right now where you don't want to raise your hand because your spouse, you know. <laughs> it's not easy to stay married and have the kind of marriage that God intends for us to have. It takes a lot of work. But it's still Simple to understand and do. It only gets complicated when we turn away from God's ways. By the way, that's true in every area of your life. When you turn away from God's ways, it starts to get complicated. All right. And so I think I'd say this, you know, one more important fact. By the time of, did we get to that? Yes, thank you, John. For any reason, I, I'm talking to John today because I gave him a really lousy set of notes today to follow, okay? John's doing a great job. The people in Jesus' day were not taking marriage seriously. And it was showing up in, in society and all the problems that went along with. But let me say one other thing. It's important for you to know that whenever the Bible talks about divorce occurring... I shouldn't say whenever, almost always. Almost always, when the Bible talks about divorce occurring, it assumes that remarriage will also occur. Okay? There's a very limited area and very important area in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 where Paul talks about the remarriage ought not to occur. Okay? But when the Bible talks about divorce, it assumes that remarriage will occur because that's, that's where the regulation has to go. We go back to Deuteronomy 24, and it's very clear. It says, look, if you're gonna divorce your wife, you, you have to give her a certificate of divorce so that she can now be free and become another man's wife. In other words, because, especially in that culture, I mean, nowadays, you could be a single woman and, and live on your own and do fairly well in our culture, true? I mean, it's possible, certainly possible. In that culture, it was almost impossible. And so they would remarry. But he says this. He says, if you divorce, okay, and then either one of you remarries, you can never get back together again, even if, you know, the other spouse dies. You can't. He says, we're not going to do that. God says, we're not going to do that. But what I want you to see is he assumes remarriage. Because that is the, the natural thing that we want to be. We want to be in a marriage relationship. All right, so marriage, remarriage is assumed. The Bible assumes it will occur. Now, let's take a look at this here. We have this breaking of this Ida's covenant. We're not going to be married anymore. We're not going to be together. We're going to be separate. But no sexual immorality has occurred. Okay? That that hasn't been broken yet, that union. What happens when remarriage happens? What happens to that exclusive and intimate physical relationship when remarriage occurs? It's broken, isn't it? It is. You see, here's what you've got to understand. And by the way, go ahead, next uh, slide. We call that adultery. Understand this, that if two people, and I've known people who have done this, Two people get divorced. And over a period of time, I've seen it where they came to Christ. I know a couple like that. Uh, or, or Sometimes it was one who's not living like a Christian, and the, but they've broken up, they've divorced, and then later they have returned to the Lord and worked on this, and they, they determine we're coming back together. They can do that, but they can't if remarriage has occurred. You see that? Because remarriage not only now takes this we are no longer together, we are divorced, it also takes that exclusive and intimate physical union and breaks it. And when that exclusive intimate physical union is broken, what do we call it? Are you with me? Okay. I understand this is a little heavy. We can get it, though. We can get it. So this is adultery. Adultery. And by the way, adultery always does damage. You cannot set aside God's best and expect to experience God's best. You cannot say, and this isn't just in this issue, it's any issue. You can't say, well, I'm going to disobey God here, and there will be no consequences in my life because of it. No, there will be. There will be. Now, let me just stop for just a moment and speak to your heart here. God is gracious. God is forgiving. Every sin that we have ever committed or ever will commit, he has died for. We are forgiven when we receive Christ forever, for everything. But that doesn't mean it's okay to sin. When you sin, yeah, you're forgiven. You have a relationship. God is forgiven. He's already paid for it. But it hurts you. And it hurts God's reputation in our world. And so it does matter, but I don't want you to get confused. It, it, oh no, it matters, and now I'm a terrible person, and I'm, I'm, I'm in this terrible situation. Now get over that, okay? We got to go forward. We got to live for Christ wherever we're at now, and He will honor that and glorify that and heal us and, and strengthen us and enable us to do that. But what I want you to see is, it does matter. Even in this situation where the divorce has occurred and then finally the remarriage occurs and then that means that adultery has occurred. That matters because it goes against what God said was best and right. Right? But I want you to see, let's look back at our text just a little bit. Assuming remarriage, verse 32 he says, but I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality. By the way, why does he say except sexual immorality? Simple. This is really simpler than we think. He says except for sexual immorality because guess what? With sexual immorality, adultery has already happened, hasn't it? Okay. That's, that's why he says that unless it's already happened, you're gonna cause it to happen. That's that's what he says. Should have read the rest of the verse. It he causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries her, you know, is commits adultery. Why? Because it's that breaking of that bond. But he says it causes it to happen. And what did he say causes it to happen? The remarriage? What causes it to happen, according to Jesus here? Look at the Bible. What does it say? Did he say remarriage causes adultery to happen? No, he says divorce causes adultery to happen. So it's going to happen. People are going to remarry. That is the reality. Now, they don't have to. I understand that. But they are going to. At least that's the way the Bible presents it. So, what is it that we need to come away with from here? And we're going to go back and look at these verses uh, for just a little bit here. But I want you to understand this, that we need to understand that marriage is serious business. Marriage is serious business. It is very, very important. There used to be a line, I don't know if, if a, a lot of preachers use it, and I think, I'm trying to remember if it's even in the vows that are the things that I use, I think it is, but, you know, marriage is not to be entered into, do you remember what it says? Lightly or unadvisedly. Because it's intended to be a picture of God's relationship with His people. As the husband loves the wife, and the wife respects her husband. It's supposed to be this picture of God and his people. It's a big deal. It's important. It matters. And it affects people in their lives as well, not just the reputation of God. Marriage is serious business. So much hangs in the balance. And this is what Jesus is confronting here. A low view of marriage that allowed numerous things to go on. Now, let's look in verse 29. Let's look. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, let's, let's just think about this a minute. We want to think biblically and logically about what the Bible says. What we, for those of you who have been here a long time, been a Christian a long time, you know. Can your eye cause you to sin? Can this eyeball cause you to sin? No. This eyeball is, you know, made up of all sorts of cool stuff, but it cannot cause you to sin. So what point is Jesus trying to make to us here? He says, if it could. If your eyeball. (laughs) He didn't say eyeball. (laughs) If your eye. I think his way is telling us here, and I believe that this verse... Points back to the two previous verses. Your right eye, it says how you look at things, how you see life, how you, in this case, look at marriage. And he says this if the way you look at marriage causes you to sin, change it. Get rid of that way of looking at marriage. And see, that's what it says in the previous verse, right? Jesus says, yeah, you know, you've heard the said of old that, the, you know, that you commit adultery. Don't commit adultery, he says, but I say to you, that if you look at another person to contemplate that, to ponder it, he in your heart you've already committed it. And so what I'm telling you is that we need to look at marriage more highly than that. That we do not allow ourselves to do that. We need to take our marriage so seriously that, that we don't just guard what we do, we guard our hearts. Because you understand that, that every problem, I mean, let's, let's face it, there's not one divorce that's ever occurred that did not start in somebody's heart, right? Adultery has never occurred where it didn't first start in somebody's heart. And so that's where we need to fight the battle. So how do you look at this? How important is it? Jesus is extremely important. So important that if, you, if you're looking at the wrong way, you've got to change it. And then he uses this picture, this idea of us of plucking your eye out and throwing it away. That's pretty radical, isn't it? Jesus is saying, be radical. Be radical about how you look at marriage. Get rid of the things that aren't true in how you look at marriage. Add in what's right. And he, he raised the stakes here, the idea, if you could sin with your eye and you could, you could end up in hell. He's talking about that this is spiritually important. This matters. This, this can come between you and God. Not for being saved. But this can come between you and God. You need to deal with it. And then the next verse where he talks about cutting off the hand, right? If your right hand causes you to sin, he says the same thing about it. Let me ask you this. Can this hand cause you to sin? You can use this hand to sin, but it can't cause you to sin, so what's Jesus trying to tell us? And I would say this. He's talking about how do you handle these things? How do you handle these matters in your life? And what were the Jews, and I'm not picking on Jews here, they just were Jews. What were the Jews doing at this time? How were they handling marriage issues and divorce issues? Divorce for any reason you want. Don't worry about it. Just make sure you do the paperwork. He says, don't handle it that way. You need to handle marriage as something that ought to be protected. Can I say to you today that if you're here today and married, the marriage you're in now is the one God wants you to handle properly. He wants you to handle this marriage properly. He wants you to value each other the way God says you ought to value each other. Husbands, you need to love your wives. Wives, you need to respect your husbands. You need to both be submissive to each other in the things of God and work together together. Work at it. It takes work. Right? See, my marriage is so important, and right now it's driving me nuts. So frustrated. I know, but it is so important. In fact, it's so important that if my hand could cut, you know, i got to cut it off and throw it away. That's how important it is. I've got to deal with this. I've got to handle this right. I've got to handle it the way God says that I should handle it. And that's when he goes on and talks about, okay, you know, you just don't divorce for any reason. You've got to understand, when you divorce for any reason, if adultery has not already occurred, you're going to make adultery occur. Marriage is serious business. It really is. So, you know, if you're here today and married, take it seriously. If you're here today and you're not married and want to be you better take it very seriously we need to stop ignoring the elephant in the room and for a lot of you there's an elephant big elephant in your room at home <laughs> maybe the way you're looking at your marriage maybe how you're handling your marriage where you're at what you've done we need to take it seriously Don't ignore this issue. Don't ignore it. And let me remind you of a story. Many of you know the story. Some of you may not. The religious leaders were always, of that day, they weren't happy with Jesus because he talked about heart issues and they liked outside issues and they could control those, but Jesus challenged the heart all the time. So they tried to catch him. They wanted to trip him up. And, And one day they brought a woman to him. Threw her down in front of him and said, We caught this woman committing adultery. And the law back then, in the Old Testament, says that she should be stoned. What do you say? But Jesus didn't answer them. It says he knelt down on the ground and kind of mm-hmm. drew in the dirt. And then he said to them, Whoever of you is without sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. And then he went back to drawing on the ground. And it says, then, from the oldest to the youngest, one by one, I think they were put to shame and walked away. And finally it says, Jesus looked up and he sees nobody there and he says to the woman, so where are your accusers? She says, they aren't here, they're gone. And then he said this amazing words to this woman who had been caught in adultery. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let's go forward from here and do better. Let's go forward from here and do what's right now. And that's what I say to you here today. Wherever you're at in this whole spectrum of issues we talked about, wherever you're at today, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation there. And then let's go forward and do better. Can you imagine us being a church? And it's already somewhat this way, and it's good, but imagine us being a church that we just take marriage so seriously that, that we work hard at it, and, and we grow our marriage, and we become healthier in our marriages, and we help each other become healthy in our marriages. And, and so people who know us outside of here, and people who come in here say, wow, these people kind of like love each other. <laughs> Husbands and wives even love each other. There's something here. So we become known for that and secondly we become known for if you come here and your life's a mess you're divorced, remarried not that you've been living in adultery you're living with somebody, whatever we meet you where you are. We accept you as a person who needs the Lord or knows the Lord and, and let us help you go from here and figure out how to do better. Man, God will change lives when we do this. He really will. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word that you leave nothing out that we need to hear about and know. Thank you for speaking to us today. And I pray, Father, all the stuff that I've tried to cover that you, through all of that, will speak to each of us here today about where we're at, about what we need to do, how we need to respond to you, what we need to take more seriously, what we need to change. Most importantly, Lord, I pray that everyone here today will, as I talked about way back in the beginning of this service, receive your Son as Savior. If they haven't already done that, Father, I pray that you'll stir their hearts uh, to follow up with us about that, maybe even ask questions. Be glorified in us, Father, by our responses. I pray that we would be a church that, even though we're going to be affected by adultery, affected because we live in a culture and we're sinful people, Father, but help us, to move more and more away from that both in our hearts and how we live our lives. For you are worthy of this and we will be greatly blessed when we do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.